Good to see uh, friends, family, grandmothers, uncles, aunts of these young'uns here today to, to be here at worship as we come together to uh, worship the Lord and, and enjoy some wonderful children's music uh, also. Um, good to see you here, and if you're visiting with us, we invite you to come back as often as you can to worship with us. <clears throat> A number of announcements today to call to your attention. Uh, one is that um, an invitation to all women for a call to prayer and self-denial, which is um, 11 a.m. in the social hall, uh, Monday, tomorrow. Uh, and the guest speaker is Amy uh, Palagia from uh, Joshua's Way, and we invite the women to be present for that. Next Sunday, the 12th of February, is the annual Big Hug Sunday. Uh, so adults, make sure you attend Sunday school as the children's Sunday school classes will make a visit to your classroom with some treats and hugs uh, at the beginning of the 10 o'clock Sunday school hour. Children are reminded that we will not be having our usual Sunday night programs tonight. Instead, we invite you to be here at 4 o'clock today for the annual Make a Swish uh, fundraiser. And it's still time for you to find one of these um, pledge sheets to make a pledge for the children who are raising money uh, by seeing how many baskets they can make in one minute out there in the gym. I understand some of them will bankrupt you, so you just might want to keep that in mind. You've got some good little ball players. <clears throat> this afternoon at 2 o'clock, uh, weather permitting, and it looks like it will be, the teenagers will be meeting for their 10th annual Super Bowl football game down here at the baseball field on Arlington. So we remind our teenagers of that. Also, as you leave here today, you will find uh, soup pots at the exits, and we invite you to reach into your pocket and pull out some extra dollar bills uh, to place in those pots and pans as we Remember Super Bowl, S-O-U-P-E-R, Bowl, uh, to help raise money to help feed the hungry of our community, and we invite you to share in that ministry. Ralph Johnson started something on New Year's Day. Um, I just want to remind you, in case you see some of these things around here, when you see the Shannon children selling candy, they're not trying to help their parents pay the mortgage, although... Now, they, they took that $50 that Ralph passed out to the children um, and bought some candy, and I think they've already quadrupled that money as they live out the parable of the talents. Well, we have another group wanting to be involved in this now, and this is um, Emma and Sarah Culberson, and they are be, they've set up a table for you to come by if you would like to um, place an order for homemade bread. Sounds like a winner for me. Uh, and that's all to, to help raise money uh, for good causes, but also to, to live out this experience of um, uh, the parable of the talents. And so we appreciate Ralph for what he started and, uh, and appreciate all the parents and children are doing together. This is going to be a very moving service for Ann uh, on the organ and piano. So we may have a... a temporary lag in activities as we see her hurdle her way down here, 
but uh, we'll see how that works out. A uh, lot of, lot of uh, motion going to be necessary today. We appreciate our children for bringing music for us today and those that work so hard with them all the time. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
As we remain standing, let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. We invite the children to come now and uh, join Carol Scudder for a few moments of sharing. people have heard about the Super Bowl today? <laughs> Just a few of you. Um, well, there is a big game going on tonight, um, but I brought a different kind of bowl. And in this house, in our house at home, this is a Super Bowl to us. It's a special bowl to our family. It was a wedding gift, and it was given by um, Betty and Stedman Fowler. And so it's special to us, and the boys know that if it ever gotten broken, it would break my heart. Well, I wanted to tell you a different kind of story that involves a bowl from the Bible. This story is about a woman whose husband had died, and he still had some debt when he died, and she didn't know how she was going to pay it. And so she went to pray about it, and she went with her two sons, and she went to the prophet Elijah, and she begged him for help. And if she didn't have help, her sons were going to have to work as slaves to pay off the money. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thy handmaid have nothing in the house save a pot of oil. Elijah told her what to do. This is what happened. She went home and borrowed jars from all her neighbors, as many as she could find. And then she and her sons went inside the house and closed all the doors to the house. She took out her bowl of oil and began to pour the oil into all the jars the neighbors had given them. And she continued to pour more oil came. And they never ran out of oil. They did run out of jars. And when they ran out of jars, the oil stopped flowing. <coughs> She was so excited with all the oil that God had provided that she ran to tell the good news to Elijah. 
And he said, go sell the oil and pay the debt and live out with thy children of the rest. She trusted God to help her. God took the little bit that she had with her faith and made more. And now she had enough to sell so that she could pay all the money she owed and still have plenty to live with her sons. She obeyed God and showed her faith when she did what the prophet Elijah told her to do. God blessed her with a mighty miracle for her faith. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Our Old Testament lesson is from uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here ends the lesson.
At this time, we are privileged to share in uh, a baptism. I've only had one other double barrel baptism of twins in my life uh, as a minister, but this is a baptism for um, Harper and Olivia Sims, um, the twin daughters of, of Bo and Meredith, and sister of Catherine, uh, granddaughters of Emily Sims, and great-granddaughter of Cat Jones. So we invite them to come and others that wish to stand with you uh, as we come for this uh, sacred moment.
Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 23. Paul is writing, When I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from Christ's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may, that I may share in its blessings. Here ends the lesson.
we do appreciate, children, your hard work uh, coming on Sunday nights and learning music and sharing that with us today. And we hope that you'll keep on doing this. It's so meaningful to us that you learn these songs. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. We're always glad to be together, Lord, and be reminded of your love, and we have things here that remind us of this. Today, as the scripture says, a little child shall lead them. We have been led by children throughout this time together. Every one of us, Lord, comes as an infant into your presence. Every one of us comes with the need for a covering of your love over our sins and the washing away of our guilt and the expression of the love that you have for us in spite of our mistakes. And so we're thankful today that we have been reminded of your love for us as we have seen you embrace two of your children in, in baptism and we're thankful, Lord, that we come as children needing to offer you our words of praise, even as these singers have done. As they have come to sing songs of praise to you, so we have come into this time of worship to offer you our love and thanksgiving. Indeed, Lord, we are reminded that the love that you show us is so far beyond any of our deserving. It is gracious care that you give us, not based on our deserving, but based on the fact that you're our heavenly Father who has given us life and who has given us eternal life. We are thankful that when you chose to come to this earth, you came as one of these little ones. You came in infant form and you grew up before a community of faith as we see these growing up, we can in our heart's mind imagine Jesus learning to sing when he was a little child, learning the scriptures and memorizing as we do in Sunday school. And how thankful we are that Jesus excelled in his understanding of your love. For indeed, in some mysterious way, you were in Christ among us here on earth. And we come to give you thanks, Lord, that you did for us that which we could not do for ourselves. For you have raised us up from the deadness of our lives and the deadness of sin. And you have raised us to life eternal. And we come to give you our thanks for this now. Lord, there are times that as we go down life's road, we worry about things. Things cause us to lose sleep. How good it is to be reminded that Jesus shared that journey with us. And there were things that caused him to lose sleep as well. We pray that we might remember this on times when we find it difficulty sleeping and that we might do as Jesus did to turn our hearts and attentions to Almighty God and spend that time in prayer.
We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
You see some unfinished business that has been going on since we last met in here two weeks ago. Um, the plaster has to cure a little while before it can be painted, but um, for about seven or eight days we had scaffolding piled up in here as they were working on that. And our sound should be improved. We found some wiring uh, being the main part of the problem. I think I told those of you here last week about it um, in the joint service. We had some wires that were chewed up by either Baptist or Presbyterian squirrels. We're not sure which. <laughs> we don't know which of those preachers put those squirrels up there. But anyway, um, we hope that things will... Uh, and, and also outside, if you look outside today, you see signs of uh, yard work, uh, new, new irrigation system and um, new plants. Uh, it's going to be a different looking place here when, I start to say when spring finally comes, but it may be here right now, the way it's been going. Here now our gospel reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled through Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Here ends the lesson. <clears throat> Do you ever have difficulty sleeping through the night? Or perhaps you struggle to fall asleep in the first place and then when you do, you find yourself wide awake again at about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, unable to get back to sleep. Now, when I was a child and I couldn't sleep, that always meant that I was excited about something, usually something that was going to happen that very next day. So as you can imagine, Christmas Eve was not a very pleasant time for my parents in trying to get me to go to sleep. But nowadays, a sleepless night for me always means that I'm processing something in my brain. Maybe I'm worried about something or pondering something. And I lie there hearing the old clock's Westminster chimes remind me that I've made it through another 15 minutes. And the facts of my decision keep rolling around in my head. In the gospel lesson today, we see an occasion where Jesus couldn't sleep. Although prayer was a routine part of Jesus' daily life, the reaction of the disciples to Jesus' absence shows that praying during the night was not something that they had seen him do before. When it was still dark, very early in the morning, Jesus couldn't sleep. 
And so he got up and left Peter's house for a place where he could be alone and pray. When the disciples woke up, they were alarmed by Jesus' absence and went looking for him. I wonder what Jesus might have had on his mind that caused him to be unable to sleep. We're told that this happened right after they had left the synagogue in Capernaum, where Jesus had really impressed lots of people with the way he had taught with such authority. There had been a man at the synagogue who was mentally ill, possessed by a demon, they said in those days, and Jesus had healed him. The news about Jesus spread like a wildfire around that community. Immediately after this, Jesus, along with James and John, and Peter and Andrew, had departed the synagogue to go to Peter and Andrew's house. There they found a very sick woman who happened to be Peter's mother-in-law. I will dispense with my usual urge to make a mother-in-law joke. They aren't so funny now that Penny is one. But this does inform us that Peter was a married man. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9 that the other apostles, including Peter, were married, as also were Jesus' brothers. We don't know if Peter's mother-in-law lived with them all the time, or whether she was just there because of this illness so that she could be cared for by her daughter. But in those days, a fever doesn't mean what it does to us today. We take an aspirin and go to bed. In those days, it often meant that there was something very seriously wrong with that person. It could be an illness leading to death. And so it was really no small matter that Jesus healed her and that she was able to immediately rise from her sick bed to return to her usual activities in the house. You get the idea that she was excited about getting back to doing housework. Ladies, you know she must have been sick if she was excited about that. Sarah Henrik, a professor of New Testament at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, points out that Mark used the word here that means that Jesus, he didn't just help her up, he raised her up is the Greek word. It's the same word that Mark used a little bit later in chapter 16, verse six, when six, verse six, when the angel was explaining why Jesus' tomb was empty. He's been raised up. And so there was a powerful resurrection involved in this woman's uh, healing. Jesus raised her up. Mark liked to use that word in connection with healing miracles, meaning that the person who was deathly ill was raised back up and placed back in the community to do what their life called them to do. Our place in the world is to become servants of Jesus. And that is exactly what Peter's mother-in-law did that day in response to the miracle that she had experienced. May we go and do likewise. Word of what had happened in the synagogue spread all over the community, as I said, but the news of this sudden recovery by this mother-in-law of Simon Peter spread from house to house in that neighborhood. And so as day turned into evening, Andrew and Peter's neighbors all gathered at their home, at the door, to speak with Jesus, to ask Jesus to heal their sick loved ones. And Jesus did just that.
He healed many people of a variety of illnesses, even curing the mentally ill of the community. It is of special note that normal people, even the experts in matters of the religious law, were very slow to recognize that Jesus was the Son of God. But the mentally ill community members seemed to know immediately who Jesus was. Their lack of inhibition in their proclamation regarding Jesus, they knew who he was, the Son of God, was such that Jesus found it necessary to tell them not to talk. It's interesting to wonder why Jesus did not want them to talk. It's also interesting to see that later on he began to tell recipients of other miracles, go show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anybody about me. Probably the reason was that his fame would have been more of a handicap to him at that moment than a help. So that brings us to Jesus' sleepless night. I've lost many nights sleep worrying about some particular problem in a church where I've worked. I had two factions in one church that I thought was ready to go to the gun shop and take out ammunition, ammunition and weapons against one another. I didn't know whether to come to church with a Bible or a, a shield next week. And I knew that if I couldn't be the peacemaker at that church, our bishop would find somebody else who could be. And I'd be on my way down. Later, I was sent to another church that was hemorrhaging members. And I knew that if I couldn't stop the exodus, the bishop would send me on my way to the famous Podunk Circuit and appoint someone else there. You know, still today, most Saturday nights are not good nights of sleep for me because I fall asleep worrying about my sermon. And I notice that some of y'all do that today, too. <clears throat> the point is, when I can't sleep, it's because of a failure or the fear of a failure. But Jesus couldn't sleep after days of tremendous success, numerous healings, meaningful preaching, and rising popularity. What's wrong with this picture? I heard a wise pastor one time say, I find it very difficult to be both humble and successful. When I am successful, he said, I'm not very humble. And when I'm humble, I'm not very successful. I think that is true for lots of us and true for the entire church of Jesus Christ. And maybe that's why Jesus couldn't sleep. Back in the late 1970s, I was associate pastor of a very exciting United Methodist Church in Irmo. The church was exploding in members. We had 40 people per month joining the church at that time. The senior pastor and I were constantly receiving undue credit for the growth that was going on. The fact of the matter was that we were the beneficiaries of an exploding housing market because the church was located close enough to Lake Murray to take advantage of all the people moving out there. And you know, it doesn't take much to be a successful fisherman when the fish are jumping into the back of the boat to catch the bait. We didn't have to work hard to make members. We didn't even have to bother going after those that were difficult to catch. It wasn't until I left Irmo and was sent to three little churches in Saluda that I finally began to realize how hard it was to get somebody to join the church. 
and how you have to learn to go to someone and cultivate a friendship with that person so that they felt comfortable coming to your church. In many ways, the success that I had enjoyed in Irmo was the greatest threat to my really learning how to be one who could make new disciples for Jesus Christ. The problem for any church is that when you're being successful, you don't have time to stop and think about what you're doing. If you're emphasizing the right thing, if you're doing what God wants you to do, all that matters is that you're growing and taking in all that dough. Before you know it, you're in a huge church with such a huge debt that you wouldn't dare challenge the community with a prophetic word because you might lose members and your offering might dry up. Success does not always help you be faithful to God. There's been a lot said during the time that I've been an active minister about the number of members that we've lost in the United Methodist Church in the last 40 years. It happens to coincide with the fact when a lot of things were happening in society and the Methodist Church stood up and took a stand and said, you know, it's just not right that women don't have equal rights with men and that they don't have the opportunities that men have. And we said it's not right if your skin color is black that you don't have all the opportunities and advantages of other people just because you were born white. We took some unpopular stands and we lost members. It's not easy to be successful and faithful to God at the same time. I think that's really why Jesus lost that night of sleep. He'd already learned that he could be tempted. He could have been the most successful person who ever lived, as if he isn't already, but he could have just done so if he'd just been willing to misuse his power and turn rocks into bread all day and take care of all the hunger in the world. That would have been a very commendable thing, wouldn't it have been for him to do? He could have ended world hunger forever. And what possibly could be wrong with that? All he would have had to do was ignore the deeper hunger of our souls for love and forgiveness and eternal life to give those things a less important role in his daily ministry. There at Peter and Andrew's house, Jesus got so busy fixing broken bodies and minds that he didn't have time to proclaim one sermon about God's healing for their hearts and souls and minds. A few years after this story, Simon P Peter found himself running one of the most successful soup kitchens in the early church. But to keep it going meant that he had to stop preaching. And so he handed off that very important ministry to a man named Stephen saying, I need to be about the preaching of the gospel. That's what God has called me to do. Jesus lost a night's sleep because his success was in danger of preventing him from doing that for which his life was supposed to be the purpose for his life, telling folks about the God who loved them and forgave them. So when the disciples found him, they said, come on back home. Everybody's there already looking for you. Jesus had it made. He would have never had to travel ever again. He would have had a roof over his head constantly. Peter was saying, Mikasa su casa, 
to that base of operation, people would have come from all over the Mediterranean region until the Romans put a stop to it. Jesus could have had a very successful, easy, popular career. It was that prospect of easy success that made Jesus lose sleep. Let's go somewhere else, Jesus replied. Let's go to other villages where I can preach. That's why I've come. So Jesus took his message on the road where he never had a home so that you and I could have a home in eternity with him. And as he had resisted the temptation to turn stones into bread, here he resisted the temptation to emphasize one good thing, but not the thing that God had sent him to do. God had sent him to heal that broken relationship between us and God and us and one another. And that could only be accomplished by his proclamation of the good news and his deeds upon the cross. So Jesus' success caused him to be unable to sleep. Perhaps the next time you and I wake up in the night, we will remember that Jesus was indeed very much like us. He had trouble sleeping sometimes. And may we follow Jesus' example of using our sleepless time, not just to count sheep, but to talk to the shepherd. Amen.